0: The scripture lesson today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses one through eight. But first, let us pray. Awaken us, O God. Startle all of our senses that we might know you more completely. Help us to hear the truth of your word for our lives today. Quiet our anxious, busy minds so that we might focus entirely on you. Amen. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold? for 300 denarii, and the money given to the poor. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: So what do you think love smells like? It's not a trick question and I'm not playing with words, though you have learned by now that I do enjoy that. What does love smell like? The human sense of smell is incredible. We've known that for a long time now, but new studies as recent as last year suggest it's even more powerful than previously known. Scents have a profound capacity to connect us to our memories, significantly more so than sight, sound, taste, or touch. It is our oldest sensory system, and so it's located deepest in our brains, which is why certain smells end up saved in our cerebral software for years and lifetimes even. Scents that soothe us in childhood well, they can continue to alleviate stress and anxiety, even into adulthood. Similarly, scents that trigger anger or anxiety or sadness will continue to do the same. More or less, that's why when I smell freshly cut grass, I am seven years old again and I am flying high into the air on a Sesame Street swing set in the backyard that I grew up in while my dad cuts the grass. And then in a blink of an eye, I am 16 again, and I am lacing up my cleats for field hockey practice. And that's why when I smell a bergamot-scented candle, I am 22 again, living in my first apartment without roommates, which also meant my first apartment without much furniture. And that is also why, whenever I sniff even the slightest scent of skunk, I am 34 again, chasing my dog through my parents' home after we had both had a very close encounter with the angry end of a black and white striped animal. I remember every moment of wrestling the dog into the bathtub to be doused in tomato soup and skunk be gone, neither of which, by the way, did any good. (laughs) The clothes I was wearing that night were goners. My hair and the dog's fur stank for weeks. Ask anyone who was on my flight a few days later. Those memories are seared into my mind, maybe some others, and it all comes back with even the slightest sniff of the right or horribly wrong scent. So I'm very sympathetic to Martha in today's reading. We know from other places in scripture that she was the detailed person. She was almost certainly running around preparing the meal, setting the table, serving the food, wanting everything to be just so. Because after all, this was a celebratory meal, a toast to Lazarus back from the dead and a toast to Jesus, miracle worker extraordinaire. So Martha is working out all of her anxiety and all of her relief from the last few days on this meal. And Mary, true to form, doesn't show up until the last minute. Lazarus is sitting quietly in the corner. He's not quite yet steady on his feet, still a little stunned from four days in the grave. And if we can be frank here, he is smelling to high heaven. Here, he is smelling to high heaven. It's not really his fault. Death stinks no matter who you are. But even still, Martha, the host who has thought through everything, she whispers in her brother's ear that maybe when dinner is served, he'll take the seat nearest the window. And Jesus is just watching it all. He loved them, the gospel tells us. No explanation of why. It's just a statement of fact in the chapter before. He loves them. I think that's why his disciples are quiet at that moment. They are watching Jesus watch this family, the family he loves. But they might also be quiet because, in the aftermath of death, it's hard to find the right words. Jesus, though has no such trouble, he weeps at Lazarus' grave and then roars at death to go away. Come out, he called to his friend, and so Lazarus did. But who really knows how to respond to witnessing that? So come eat, Martha beckons, and they gather around the table. Lazarus sits where his sister suggested. But by then, it no longer matters. The smell of death has become the air they breathe, all of them. There's no escaping it. They're actually starting to get used to it. It's funny how we can adjust to the strangest things. And so dinner conversation picks back up, and they pass their glasses and raise a toast, and no one notices when Mary slips away. But then, just like it was with Lazarus leaving his tomb, they smell her return before they see it. They smell what she is carrying, an enormous clay jar already unstopped, its spicy scent filling the room and halting conversation mid-sentence. Once again, they are silent and overwhelmed by a smell They watch as Mary kneels down at Jesus' feet and empties the entire jar of perfume, pouring it all over his feet, which is a strange choice to make. She soaks his feet in the strong scent and then wipes the excess off with her hair. Now this perfume that we're talking about, it's a pound of perfume. Have any of you ever bought a pound of perfume? Most bottles these days, if it's the nice stuff, and this was the very best stuff, it comes in two, maybe three ounces a bottle. But this was a pound, and it was pure. It was not watered down. The scent of a pound of pure nard would have near to knocked you over, and the cost would do the same. It costs 300 denarii, we're told, but those who do these sort of calculations, they tell me that today that would mean $25,000 of perfume poured out on a man's feet, a lot of it surely seeping into the ground. Within a matter of moments, though, that is the only thing anyone can smell. If Mary wanted to show appreciation or respect, she could have dabbed a little on his head, as was the custom with royalty. If she wanted to mask the smell of the grave, she could have invited everyone to smear just a little under their noses. But she takes the whole jar and she pours it out, every last drop, holding nothing in reserve. Sometimes love can do nothing less. Sometimes love surprises us with its strength. And sometimes love simply cannot be held back. Now, I don't know if the disciples actually liked the smell of that much perfume. I would imagine it was a bit much. But again, no one could smell death anymore. Not even a whiff, not even Judas. Judas, who in that moment reaches desperately for anything to try and suffocate what is happening. It's as if he can't stand it, you know, as if he senses this love being poured out and there's only so much that he can bear. And this amount is way, way, way past that. I don't think that Judas is the only one who's ever felt that way. In fact, right after Mary's extravagant act of love, in the very next verse, the chief priests, they make a calculated decision. The text reads, When the crowd learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also because of Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead, The chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many were believing in Jesus. We have an awfully hard time believing that there could really be enough love for everyone. And so we put boundaries around it, where we set conditions for it, and we attempt to control it and confine it, to detain it and define it. But that is not how love works. I suspect that if you got close enough to Lazarus, you would see that he still had a few fibers of grave clothes stuck to him here and there, and that he had a bit of bed head going on with his hair. But the stench of death is gone. It has been covered up and overtaken by powerful perfume that seeps into the air and infiltrates every person's every pore. There is no stopping it. It shows no partiality. You see, Judas, he can't stand it, but he can't shake it either. I imagine he went home grumpy as all get out. But even still, his tunic, too, would have been smelling awfully sweet. That's the thing about love, real God-given love. It covers everyone, including those who try and resist it, including those who cannot imagine it might ever possibly include them. So maybe that leads to one final observation. When Mary comes to Jesus and finds her own way of saying, I love you, Jesus doesn't say, no, thank you. It's a nice idea, but it's too much. Please don't, I couldn't. And he doesn't say, well, I'm sure there is something or someone else who is more deserving. He doesn't say, I am sure you mean well, but he doesn't stop her from this extraordinarily overblown, overwhelming act. He receives her love because he loves her and love begets love. And in accepting her love, it somehow ends up poured out over everyone else as well. It's in the next chapter. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but it's worth it. It's in the next chapter that Jesus will gather the disciples around his table. And he will wash their feet. And he will show them the kind of love that Mary showed him. That is what happens when love is let loose. Before you know it, it is replicating itself with no end in sight. Some of you may choose to be anointed later in the service. I've barely said the word, but the word anointed, that's the act that mary completes when she rubs her hair on jesus's feet we aren't going to do it quite that way we'll put oil on your forehead or your hand if you wish to be anointed is to receive a tangible reminder of your belovedness of your blessedness it is a reminder that comes to everyone whether you choose to be anointed today or not Because the love of God is like the smell of strong perfume. It is all around you and it will not let go of you. Today at this table, we will taste and see that the Lord is good. And we will taste and see and smell that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And his steadfast love endures forever. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.